As expected, shrieking abortion supporters showed up at Brett Kavanaugh's home over the weekend to scare his kids and to try to intimidate the justice into changing his vote on the Dobbs case to overrule Roe v. Wade. The only reason the mob didn't show up to the home of Justice Sam Alito, who wrote the leaked opinion, is because the threats against him were so severe that the entire family was moved to an undisclosed location. The angry mob was expected at Kavanaugh's house, as well as the homes of the other conservative justices, because last week, after a leftist activist leaked the decision, a left-wing organization doxed the justices and published their home addresses. Then, when the White House was asked about the leak and the doxing, the press secretary refused to condemn the mobs. Speaking on behalf of the president, Jen Psaki actually said that people are passionate and that the White House didn't have any official position on where people protest. You can't even really call that tacit approval. Psaki was asked directly to call off the dogs, at least to voice some modest disapproval of the mob showing up at the judge's homes, and she shrugged her shoulders. This latest series of threats and intimidation against the conservative justices, families, and children is no surprise because, as I pointed out the moment the leak occurred, we are talking about people who kill little babies. There is no norm they will not violate. There is no depth to which they will not sink. They know that the Supreme Court reads the election returns and the opinion polls, and they hear the mobs outside. So they're trying to pressure them to switch their votes. But there is a silver lining to this storm cloud. A silver lining that I also predicted last week. You know that I hate to say I told you so. That is that the political effect of the leak and the threats and the mobs is favorable to Republicans, favorable to conservatives, favorable to life. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Lots of mostly peaceful protests going on over the weekend, mostly peaceful threats against the children of conservative Supreme Court justices, mostly peaceful angry mobs outside the private homes of Supreme Court justices, and more and more. Uh, Thankfully, uh, Kavanaugh's family seems to be safe. John Roberts's family seems to be safe. But I thought when I saw the protests first occur, I said, why are they focusing on Kavanaugh? Sam Alito is the one who wrote the opinion. Why, why aren't we seeing the mobs? Oh, because Sam Alito's family was moved into hiding because the threats against him were so much worse than the threats against Brett Kavanaugh. Was this just overreacting? Sam Alito, he would have been fine, right? Well, I'm not so sure. I, I think it probably would have gotten pretty violent. Here's my evidence. A pro-life group was hit with Molotov cocktails over the weekend. A Wisconsin pro-life group's office was set on fire early Sunday morning. I was vandalized with abortion-themed graffiti in in what the police are calling an arson. I was the Wisconsin Family Action Headquarters. Uh, There was fire damage. Uh, There were flames coming out of the building at 6 a.m. And there was a spray-painted message which said, if abortions aren't safe, then you aren't either. Fortunately, no injuries were reported. The first question you got to ask yourself whenever an incident like this happens is, is it real or is it a hoax? We've seen a ton of hoaxes. Uh, racial hoaxes, sexual hoaxes. We've seen a lot of hoaxes from the left. Threats of racist graffiti and things like that. 99 times out of 100, they turn out to be fake. Is this fake here? 
I don't think so. I don't think so. And it's not just because I'm biased on my side, the right wing. It's just if you look at these sorts of incidents, they are almost, if not always, hoaxes on the left. You don't really see those. I could write, I mean, I actually have a full chapter of my book on all these kind of racial and sexual and just political hoaxes from the left. You just don't really see them from the right. And, and then you get to the second part, which is the left gets violent and the right generally does not get violent. I'm not saying that there are no exceptions to this, but if you look at incidents of violence, particularly in recent years, political violence, it's almost entirely on the left. It's not on the right. Would the left really do these sorts of things? I don't know. You remember 2020? Remember when the left burned the country down coast to coast for eight months? Yeah, I think they probably would throw a Molotov cocktail into, into an, a pro-life headquarters office. Actually, uh, they did that sort of thing for more than half of a year, two years ago. So we're talking about real threats. I'm glad no one was injured here. I'm glad it was an empty office. I'm glad it wasn't one of the conservative judges' houses. But clearly, the left is trying to scare the conservative judges into believing it could be in their houses. When Jen Psaki said the government, we we have no official government position on where people protest. Go get them. Gosh, nice house you got there, Justice Kavanaugh. Justice Alito, sure would be a shame if something happened to it. It's, it's no different than, than what the mob would say when they walk into your business with a protection racket. The only difference is they're, they're actually talking about these people's homes where their children sleep. The, the only silver lining here, I mean, this is really, really disgusting stuff. It's bad in and of itself for the families of the judges, but it's bad for democracy. I never again want to hear about our, our sacred democracy and the sacred norms and rule of law that the insurrect. Give me a break. You're telling me that January 6th was the worst event in the history of the country because a horn hat guy danced around the Capitol Rotunda, but that sicking an angry mob on the justices' homes where their kids sleep because you don't like an opinion that's coming out, that's totally fine. That's democracy in action. Shove it, man. Go, you know, go pound sand if that's going to be your argument. I never want to hear it again about January 6th. The great, it's a joke. It's a complete joke. And you're going to hear later on this summer, you're going to hear all of the January 6th uh, crocodile tears. You're going to see it from not just the liberals, but from a couple of the court jester conservatives, uh, Liz Cheney, Adam Kinzinger. This is it. It's done. You show up to the judges' houses. You threaten the family of the judges. I never want to hear another word about January 6th. Not that I wanted to hear anything about it before. The silver lining here, though, this is really backfiring. This is really not working for the libs. There is a poll out showing the political effect of, forget about the mobs, this is just the political effect of the leaked decision. Okay, I think the mobs are actually going to move this even more in the conservative direction, but this poll is not from the Daily Wire, it's not from Fox News, it's not from some right-wing outlet, it's from CNN. CNN shows that the overruling of Roe and the leak of the decision not only will not help Democrats in November, but will actually help Republicans. The share of registered voters who say they are extremely or very enthusiastic about voting in the midterms rose six percentage points after the leak of the the decision. Among Democrats, 43% say they are now extremely or very enthusiastic about the midterms. That's up seven points. So it seems like Democrats got a boost, except that Right now, the percentage of Republicans who say they're very excited about the midterms is 56%. So it's much higher than the Democrats, and it's up nine points since the leak. The voters who say that overturning Roe would make them happy are nearly twice as enthusiastic about voting in the midterms as those who say that a ruling would leave them angry. 
I have, I, you know, you know, I hate to say, I told you so, but I, I had my Ostradamus hat on. I had my crystal ball out. I said, guys, not only is overruling Roe the right thing to do, not only does the leak show that the libs are really desperate, but it's a political winner as well. You heard some of the squishes saying, oh no, why do we have to overrule Roe in the midterms? Oh no, this is just going to help the Democrats. This is going to take away our momentum. We had all the momentum on the economy and immigration and foreign policy. Now we're all going to squander it to save those babies. You're not going to squander it. It's going to help you. you. If you think that, if you and the squishes believe that abortion is a losing issue for conservatives, it's because you have bought the propaganda from the left. Which, which wants to make us all believe that America is full of a bu- bunch of bloodthirsty maniacs who want to kill babies up until the moment of birth. The, the conservative position on abortion is not the fringe position. It's the mainstream position. Don't kill babies is the mainstream, normal, popular position. Abortion on demand without apology into the fifth trimester, that is a fringe view. That's the radical view, okay? People don't like that. Don't buy the propaganda. This is going to be a big, big win. It's, it's the right thing to do, first of all, but it's going to be a big, big win for conservatives. This issue is backing the libs and the Democrats into a corner. Even the most practiced Democrats, even the smoothest operators out there, they have no answer on the abortion question. That's why, that's why they're trying to distract. They're saying, actually, the Roe v. Wade overruling, this is really about contraception. This is really about interracial marriage. I kid you not. There, you remember, Eric Swalwell said, this is really about interracial marriage. What the hell are you talking about interracial marriage for? That has nothing to do with abortion. Oh, you're talking about that because you know that your position on abortion is deeply unpopular. It's got me feeling good. Elizabeth Warren, Laya Watha herself, who got red in the face, who was so angry that the Supreme Court might overrule Roe v. Wade. You saw fire in her eyes. You saw this fear that she no longer will be able to sacrifice all of those babies to her demon god Quetzalcoatl. She saw her fingers just itching for the hatchet, but, but the conservative judges were going to take that hatchet away from her. Well, Elizabeth Warren is changing her tune a little bit. She's still radically pro-abortion, but she realizes that her her bloodlust to kill these babies is not really playing very well in Peoria. And so Elizabeth Warren now was asked a question point blank, should there be any limits on abortion? And she dodged the question. There's a question, should there be any limits on abortions? You know, I'm going to put it this way. I think that the woman who is most affected should be at the heart of this. Of course. I think that she should be able to call on her partner, her mother, um, her priest, her rabbi. She should be able to bring in the people she needs. But in a pregnancy, I don't believe that it is the state that should intervene with its heavy hand Mm. and make the decision. That's a whole lot of words to say no. It's a simple question. Should there be any limits whatsoever on abortion? And her answer is no. She thinks you should be able to kill babies up until the moment of birth, at least. And she knows that that is insane and evil and radical and doesn't sit very well with voters. And so she has to go on this word salad for three minutes to say, well, and I think a woman 
should talk to her partner and uh, her priest. That's not going to go very well, darling. Have you, have you read the catechism of the church? And never mind. And she should end the decision. It's the same answer Ralph North made. Hey, should we be able to kill babies on the operating table? Well, now I think that we should, in that, in a case where a baby is born and the mama doesn't want it, we're going to make it comfortable and then we're, maybe we're going to let it be and we're going to kill it. Okay. And you just, he just, they just ramble on and on. Just give the honest answer. No, you don't think there should be any limits to abortion whatsoever. And then she has the audacity. This is the funniest, funniest part of it all. She says, I don't think that the heavy hand of government should be involved. This is the, this is the only issue in politics that Elizabeth Warren has ever come across where she does not believe that the heavy hand of government should be involved. It's the only one. She, she wants to regulate your light bulbs, okay? She wants to regulate everything with the heavy hand of government, except whether or not you should be able to kill an innocent little baby. It's so disingenuous. It's so radical. It's so off-putting. There is no, you can just tell watching this woman, listening to her, think how, she, this woman is not ever going to be the president. Her, I think those dreams are dashed. And then you listen to the position more broadly, say this, this party that's running on this issue is not going to win. In a fair election, there's no way they win. Rosanna Arquette, she is a very excitable lib in Hollywood. Rosanna Arquette holds the same radical position on abortion as Elizabeth Warren, but she's more excitable about it. She, she uh, is more hysterical about it. This is what she said over the weekend, quote, no, it's not hysterical or alarmist. They, the conservatives the, and the conservative Supreme Court judges, will traffic babies that many women can't afford to keep. There is a huge money-making market worldwide for babies, and behind that is organ trafficking. The majority Supreme Court justices are officially the satanic force. The funny thing about this quasi-grammatical, semi-coherent claim is that Rosanna Arquette and the libs broadly are accusing the conservatives of doing exactly what they themselves are doing. What are, she makes two claims here. She says that the conservatives want to traffic flesh. They want to, they want to traffic living human beings in some kind of what? Sex trade or something like that? In some, some kind of slavery trade. And they want to traffic baby body parts. So dead human beings, they want to sell them on the black market. Planned Parenthood officials have been caught on hidden camera multiple times, repeatedly haggling for the price of selling baby body parts. Not even just one official, multiple Planned Parenthood officials. The, the campaign was the Center for Medical Progress. David Daleiden went in undercover because Planned Parenthood said, no, we're not selling baby body parts, the body parts of, of aborted babies in our clinics. And then he went undercover in meetings with multiple officials and they were all haggling over the price because they said, yes, we will sell these body parts to you. They even made jokes about it. They said, well, I'm not going to, I'm not going to give you my number first. You need to tell me your price first. I want to buy a Lamborghini. Ha ha ha. There, there is documents, footage, audio from meetings of Planned Parenthood officials saying that they do this very same thing that Rosanna Arquette is accusing the conservatives of doing. Furthermore, she's saying, what about just the, the black market in selling people, you know, just regular old human trafficking of living human beings? Which side is it that's trying to legalize prostitution? Which side, is, which it's the libs, it's the libs. They, everything that they 
are accusing us of, they do themselves. It's classic projection. It's, it's a good rule of thumb in politics. Whatever the libs are screaming about conservatives allegedly doing, you, it's a safe bet that they themselves are doing it. Speaking of defending the indefensible on camera, the White House is getting a new press secretary. That press secretary will be Karine Jean-Pierre. She was the deputy for Jen Psaki. She was somehow less impressive than Jen Psaki. Jen Psaki had a few moments of zingers, a few moments that were kind of funny. Uh, Karine Jean-Pierre so far has been extremely unimpressive in the job, but now Jen Psaki is going to go make make some money over at MSNBC. So Karine Jean-Pierre is stepping in. Here's what Jen Psaki had to say about the appointment of Karine Jean-Pierre to be the press secretary. I'm reading it exactly in order. This is just what she said. Lots to say about how grateful I am to the president, first lady, and the Biden family for trusting me to serve as press secretary and plenty of time before my last day to share, but today is about Karine Jean-Pierre. So a few thoughts on this remarkable woman who will soon be behind the podium every day. She will be the first black woman and first openly LGBTQ plus person to serve as the White House press secretary. Representation matters, and she will give a voice to many, but also make many dream big about what is truly possible. Uh, Karine Jean-Pierre has decades of experience from her early years working in government and politics in New York to her years as an outspoken advocate to serving as a longtime advisor to the president when he was vice president. So let me translate that for you. She says, today is about Karine Jean-Pierre. The first thing I'm going to say about her is that she is black and she has unusual sexual appetites. That's, we, it's so wonderful that this woman is the press secretary because of the color of her skin and her sexual appetites. That's why this is so great. Also, she's got some experience, but most importantly of all, did, I don't know if I mentioned this yet, she is black and is sexually attracted to women. I think, is that what, I don't even know what, which letter of the LGBTQ, uh, Karine Jean-Pierre is, but Anyway, she's got some kind of eccentric sexual appetite, and that's the most important thing. It's, it's an acknowledgement that this woman is another diversity hire. She's a diversity hire, just like the Biden. It, those, that's not my words. I'm not the one saying it. It's Jen Psaki said that. If this woman were being hired for her merit, then Jen Psaki would have reversed the tweets. She would have said, this woman has so much experience. She brings so much skill and talent to the table. And also, she's black and sexually attracted to women. But that's not what Jen Psaki did. It's, it's the same pattern we've seen from the Biden administration. The, the reason we need to nominate Katanji Jackson to the Supreme Court is she is extremely black. And I would note a woman. And also she went to Harvard and, you know, she's got a lot of experience. But I am only going to pick a black woman. That is all I care about. I'm not going to pick the most qualified person. I'm only going to look at black women and exclude other candidates who might be more qualified. It, Biden did the same thing with vice president. He said, I am going to pick a black woman to be my vice president. So all, you've excluded, what, 94% of the country at that point? And in terms of prominent black women who were up for that job in 2020, you had three women. Karen Bass, who's an actual communist member, member of Congress. You had uh, Susan Rice, the fall man for Benghazi. And you had Kamala Harris, who was the first person out of the Democrat presidential primary. But somehow she was the best choice <laughs> because you limited your options to three. Okay, and Michelle Obama probably didn't want the job. So that's it. You've got, that's what they're saying. I, I think that's ugly. I think that's unfortunate. I think it would be nice if when people get big jobs in the government, they can say it was because of their merit. They're not just looked at as tokens and not just looked at as diversity hires. But the Biden administration clearly looks at this woman as a diversity hire. Just look at the statement from the president's 
spokesman. And I love Jen Psaki says, representation matters. Uh, yes, representation in our national government matters. That's true. I want, I want my voice to be heard in the national government. I don't care if someone who vaguely looks like me physically is in the government. I don't care. I don't care. In fact, I wouldn't like it if Rachel Maddow were working in the federal government. That would upset me. In fact, one of my favorite people in the government is Clarence Thomas. I don't look very much like Clarence Thomas. I was going to say Sam Alito, but I actually do kind of look like Sam Alito. You know, the Italians, we stick together. But Clarence Thomas, I love Clarence Thomas. Does that mean, I don't really look like him. Amy Barrett seems to be doing a pretty good job at least. I don't really look like Amy Barrett, do I? No, that representation does not matter to me. I don't, I don't think it is a, a matter of political importance that we have lots of lesbians in the government. I don't think that, I, I want people in the government to be nice to lesbians. I don't, <laughs> I don't want lesbians or other minority groups to be, to be unfairly targeted or any, but this does not matter because there's no end to that, by the way. You know, we joke about how the acronym LGBT just keeps expanding. There's no end to the expand, expanding. And so if we're saying that we need someone from every single group, many of which are being created every single day to be represented in the government, there's simply no end to that. We're talking about, this, this number came out just last week. Gas is up 80% almost since Joe Biden took office. 80 that is such a huge spike in what, 14 months? A massive, not even 14 months at this point, a massive, massive spike in gas. That's, it's not just because of markets. It's not just because of the war in Ukraine. It's because of structural problems, structural problems on energy, structural problems on how even the states relate to the federal government. We've got to go in there and wield that political power and make things better. Joe Biden is the direct cause of the problem, but the, the problems run a little bit deeper and conservatives need to grow a spine, grow some muscle and get a little bit more muscular as we look ahead to the future of our country. I'm Michael Knowles. This is the Michael Knowles Show. See you tomorrow. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Clavin Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. I got in trouble again. We'll talk about that tonight. We'll talk about the Ministry of Truth and all the lies. We're going to talk to Governor Scott Walker, Kira Davis, Josh Hammer. We're going to have a blast tonight on I'm Right. Welcome to I'm Right. It's time to talk about the system. I got in trouble. Dug in. I know, I know, I know you're shocked that I would get in trouble again, but I got in trouble again, so I have to address something right off the bat before we get into all this Ministry of Truth stuff. We here at The First, we have our videos everywhere you can imagine. We have a great app, we have our videos on Rumble, we have our videos on YouTube. You may have difficulty seeing some of those videos on YouTube because we got another one-week suspension, and it was my fault. Now... What did I do? What did I do that was so beyond the pale? I mean, you should see the things you can watch on YouTube, but what did I do? I simply played some videos and interviewed somebody 
pointing out the video evidence, video evidence of election fraud in 2020. That was apparently so beyond the pale for some of the communists who work at YouTube, they thought they should go ahead and suspend us again. Well, I think I need to clarify something here. I want to make sure I let everybody know how sorry I am. How sorry am I? I'm so sorry I did that, that we're going to play the entire clip that got it suspended for you in its entirety again right now. There's something called Voter GA in Fulton County. Here's just a little video. So there are 17,000 votes in the Fulton County certified results right now that for which we have no ballot images to support those votes. So the question is, why are they there? and how did they get there? The impact of this alone means that there are 13,303 extra Biden votes and 4,279 extra Trump votes that cannot be substantiated. All 374,128 in-person ballot images from the 527,000 that, that um, Fulton uh, certified. They're all missing. There were 524,000 votes cast in Fulton County. Only 16,000 of them can be authenticated. Okay, Liz, that doesn't sound good. Still mad about that, YouTube? Screw you, because that's real. And if we're in a country where elections aren't fair or where votes don't matter, we are on a path that leads to really, really ugly things. So we're going to keep talking about election integrity until the elections actually have integrity again. Also, should be noted, might as well go ahead and give a little shout out to the first and the bosses at the first. I found out through text message that I had gotten us suspended again. You know, it's not a small thing. I got the whole network suspended off of YouTube. And I texted the boss. I said, hey, man, my bad. And you know what he said to me? Verbatim. You know what he said to me? Tell you right here. He said, beep them. I'm going to go. It's a family show. Beep them. Starts with an F. You do you. That's an awesome network. It's awesome to be able to come on here and speak plain truths. And I don't have bosses breathing down my neck saying, don't say this. Don't ever say this. Say that. I think that's wonderful. Look, that's why I tell you to go support this network. Go to thefirsttv.com slash support if you actually value free speech. How many networks out there, even right-wing networks, how many networks out there would allow me to come on every single night and say the things I say to you here on I'm Right? We're never held back. When I work with my producer, Matt, every single day, and we're coming up with the show, we never, ever have to have a conversation of, oh, do you think the first will let us play that? It's never happened. It's wonderful, and I appreciate it. Now, why do we bring all this up? Because we are entering a different era, a different era than you've experienced or I've experienced before. A lot of this is going to, I mean, a lot of this is going to get worse now that we have a ministry of truth in this country. We're entering an era of lies. And this is not unusual for people in general. It's just unusual for America, the land of the free. 
You see, for most of our country's history, certainly since the early 1900s, we've mocked the other communist countries, namely the Soviet Union. We've mocked their government controls. We've mocked the fact that governments tell people what they're allowed to think, what they're allowed to say, what they're not allowed to say. That's become something that, that was always a punchline for Americans, mocking other people. Now, we have a ministry of truth under the DHS in response to the right gaining more and more power and exposing everything from dirty teachers to dirty Disney, exposing the dirty Joe Biden family, constantly exposing the truth, the response to that from the system was revealing. The system didn't look around and say, oh, well, they know, guys. Hey, maybe we should get some reforms done. The system looked around at all these uncomfortable truths being revealed and the system said, we need to stop them from speaking. This rotten little rat DHS Secretary Mayorkas went on TV this weekend and actually attempted to defend the Ministry of Truth. I believe that this working group that gathers together, gathers together best practices, makes sure that our, our work is coordinated, consistent with those best practices, that we're safeguarding the right of free speech, that we're safeguarding civil liberties, I think is an extraordinarily important endeavor. Why do we need a new government agency to safeguard free speech? That doesn't seem to make any sense, right? Well, we all know what the game is here. We all know they're going to lie about it the same way they lied so much about COVID. Remember, it's always going to be for the public good, the common good, the public health. Hey, hey, we have to step in and monitor what you say. Otherwise, the public might be in danger. We're, we're actually protecting your freedom. That's what they'll sell all their tyranny as. And we know exactly how serious they are about defending freedom of speech because of this Nina Jankowicz, Jankowicz, this hag who actually is in charge of the Ministry of Truth. You see, she has videos all over the internet of her trashing everything on the right, spreading misinformation about everything, including Hunter Biden's laptop. I'm not talking about right versus left. I'm talking about this woman is all over the internet spreading what we now know are easily verifiable lies all over the place. Mayorkas is asked about the fact uh, you just you just appointed a communist hag? What? And he says she's going to be neutral. Do you think the person you chose to head of it uh, expressed too much politics on their Twitter feed and it's caused some consternation? Uh, eminently qualified individual, uh, a recognized expert on uh, battling the threat of disinformation that um, presents a threat to the security of our homeland from Russia, from China, from Iran, from the cartels. Disinformation. She's been battling it, haven't you heard? She's battling that disinformation. Here's 52 seconds of this woman battling disinformation. As somebody who studies disinformation, yesterday was really tough. 
I kept thinking about how in October I testified before the House Intelligence Committee and I told them that disinformation was dismantling democracy, but I was challenged to provide examples of how that was happening. I talked about how Gretchen Whitmer was nearly kidnapped because of disinformation and incitement to violence online, and I talked about the suppression of black voters, and I talked about how malign actors like Russia are using disinformation to tear us apart and polarize our society even further. But yesterday's violence in the US capital is the starkest example yet that disinformation is not just dank memes or silly TikTok videos. It actually has real life effects, not only on the functioning of our republic, but on public safety. So please take some care before you share. Public safety. Get used to that word. You're going to be hearing a lot of it. And look, let's, let's not make the mistake of saying this woman isn't qualified. She's extremely qualified to do what they want her to do. That's censor you, monitor you. And remember, it doesn't start out with jackbooted thugs in uniform knocking on your door saying, I saw that Facebook post, Tina. Turn around, put your hands on the wall, you're coming with us. It starts out with government agencies like this intimidating you. Maybe they don't show up at your door. Maybe they make a phone call. Maybe they send you a letter, FBI. Just wanted you to know we were aware of this Facebook post. We're monitoring the situation. Just enough to silence enough people. And speaking of the FBI, I'm glad we brought this up. You see, we have a lot bigger fish to fry than just the DHS. The Federal Bureau of Investigation, uh, they did that whole plot to kidnap the governor. We know because the trial is, well, basically gone now as everything continues to get dismissed as they find out the FBI planned, coordinated, and funded the entire thing. And then everybody told you there was some right-wing plot when really it was an FBI plot. And now we know something else. Since Joe Biden took over, the FBI has doubled the number of warrantless searches on Americans. That's right. They're out there collecting the data of 3.4 million people. And what was their justification for it? Of course, they were asked. I mean, that's a horrific number. People woke up and saw that news and thought, whoa. So what'd they say? No, it's no problem. We're just going after the Russia, Russians. It's that Russian hacking. Russian, and Russian influence. That's what they're after. It's no big deal. Look, we just warrantlessly tapped your information and collected your data. We have to make sure you're not one of those Russians. Now, let me ask you, have you heard any accusations about Russian assets, Russian infiltration, Russian operations over the past few years? Of course you have. Do you understand what's happening? The communists in this country have decided that anybody who opposes them is a Russian agent of some kind, and now the FBI's out there focusing on Russian things. Are you starting to understand the game? They're going to classify you as an enemy of the state the same way communists have always classified their political opponents as enemies of the state, and they do that so that gives them the power to use the, the weapons of the state against you. I mean, thankfully, many Americans are waking up. We now know 47% of Americans don't trust the FBI. That number should be 100, but let's be frank. Half this country knows the FBI is their enforcement arm now, and the FBI is on this side, and it's not your half of the country. I promise you that. All that may have made you uncomfortable, but I'm right.